Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at uh1.com. Hi, welcome to the Football Writers Podcast. My name's Mike Calvin. I'm joined by Dave Kidd of The Sun and Seb Stafford-Bloor, editor of TIFO Football. The football is sumptuous. The money is mind-blowing. The project is global. Unlike Liverpool, Chelsea and Watford, they've dropped a couple of points. But Manchester City remain the team to beat. Ten years in, is the City project good for English football? Over you, Dave. Yeah, it's a complex question. Um, I would say that um, there probably aren't too many completely ethical billionaires in the world. And if you want to become a, a Premier League club owner that's, going to, that's actually going to threaten even the top four, you're going to have to be a billionaire. Um, I think, obviously, now Guardiola's there, we're seeing football on a different level to anything I've seen in English football. Um, so from a, from a purely aesthetic point of view, it, it, it's, it is good for English football. The, the nature of the regime in Abu Dhabi um, is, a, is a different matter. Um, I think you could look at similar issues with um, Abramovich and, and, and the way that, that money was probably made in Russia um, after the collapse of communism and, and then the, the selling off of utilities there. And, um, as I say, I don't know. I don't know too many. I don't know of too many ethical billionaires. I don't. I think before City came in, ten before the Sheikhs came to City ten years ago, there were four clubs locked in, in into the top four. It was pretty predictable: United, Arsenal, Chelsea, and Liverpool. Um, so unless there is a big injection of money, then we are, then we then we then we tend to see the same teams, with the glorious exception of Leicester, do, you know doing you know dominating each year. Mm. Um, but if we're going to look at ethics, then um, clearly there, there are things about the Abu Dhabi regime and the human rights record that, that, that are very troubling. Mm. Let's try and get away from the, the sort of corporate nature of the club and, and you know, maybe some of the manip manipulative things that are done in its name to the actual football. Now, Seb, uh, Pep Guardiola is basically, you know, I'm paraphrasing, but saying we've only just begun, we're going to get better. What message does that send out? Uh, a chilling one. I think, I think Dave's point's right in that cosmetically they've been uh, to the betterment of English football. But I think if you if you look at it from a, a sort of a, a competition standpoint, um, you know we've gone from having yeah four teams who are pretty much locked into the top four to one who have kind of tent pegged themselves across the globe in sort of you know buying additional feeder clubs essentially. And and I, I, I mean it's quite a vague comment the they sort of we've only just begun but I imagine that refers not just to to a sort of a sporting venture but also to um, you know to the commercial elements within the club and that is yeah I don't I'm not sure that's a, a a place football really wants to go and I'm not sure it's a place that football supporters really want to see the game go because if you're if you if you imagine Manchester City as they are now but three times as powerful 
what does that do to not just the Premier League, but the Champions League too, and the kind of the global transfer market as well. If mm. you've got one team who you know, have a, fa a fantastic financial advantage, but also have these subtle uh, benefits within the marketplace too, like the ability to position players at different clubs and different territories, where does that take the game? That's mm. uh, as a as a football fan, that frightens me a little bit. Mm. Because when you look you're looking at that, you, the way you're talking there, Seb, it's the forerunner of uh, some sort of paying global league, isn't it? Yep. You know, maybe the yep. Premier League being reduced to say 16 teams. You've got a global array of say maybe eight to ten elite clubs who maybe don't even play in their home countries that much. No, I think that's it. Always always looked like at some point a distant end game for the most powerful clubs and I think actually in their own way UEFA have tried to we've been trying to combat that quite often by bending over backwards to accommodate them within the existing structure Premier League have done an awful you know Scudamore for all his faults has done an awful lot to try and keep the Premier League as a fairer competition and and into the way that the TV rights are distributed um, but you, you get the impression that whether it's in 20 years' time or 30 or 40 years' time, there will be this global Super League, that it's almost inevitable that's the way it's going um, and, and it will, you know, rival and certainly actually outperform the NFL as a, as a, you know, as a, as a global behemoth, really, I would have thought. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, with Pep, you know, he's always said, burnout factor, yeah. I'm going to get out of the game by the time I'm 50. You could look at maybe someone like Wenger or even Mourinho and think, well, that's, that's a really good idea now. How long do you think he'll be at City? I think it depends on what he achieves there. I mean, I think if, uh, if, if you add a, a Champions League win to what he's already done there, I don't... I mean, he's, he's someone that is constantly trying to challenge himself, is in a sort of perpetual state of self-evolution. And I think his long-term future is not to be a, a statesman of the game, but almost to evolve into a almost a, a Johan Cruyff figure, um, possibly at Barcelona, to become a kind of uh, a conscience of one of those clubs. I don't think the way he manages um, and the intensity with which he does his job is, is really sustainable over, you know, two, three decades. I don't think, I completely believe he'll be gone from sort of top-tier management by the time he's 50. Um, and then he'll become the sort of this, yeah, this sort of this father figure, I imagine. Um, I certainly don't see what he has to achieve. If you if you if you consider City's budget, if they tick the Champions League off their list, which has been the club's great aim for so long, what is he there to do, really? Mm. His, his record in the Champions League has been really quite poor um, since since, um, since, Barcelona. since his Barcelona days, yeah. Bayern Munich and City so far. You know, with, with clubs who would genuinely have feel they have a very good chance. He hasn't reached a final in. in his last, I think, maybe six attempts at the Champions League, excuse me, from like five or six. Mm. Um, they've been quite, they've, they've had some quite poor defeats during that time as well. They were blown away by Liverpool last year and well beaten by Monaco. Well, um, it was actually that wasn't necessarily well beaten, but it was, it was a chaotic game and they didn't mm. ever look in control of that side of the So actually, he's got something to, to prove in a way. You know, it's not a case of you know, what, what, what is there left, what, you know, what, what worlds have I left for him to conquer? You know, he has got to, I think, perhaps prove himself again at the Champions League level. Mm. You, know, and, you, know, you mentioned the intensity, mm -hmm. Seb. I thought it was very striking that he left Leroy Sane out. Yeah. OK, they've got a heck of a squad and he can mm. afford to do so. Is he sending a message there? You think so? I mean, I, I wonder what Leroy Sane's state of mind is at the moment because he's sort of obviously had the great disappointment of missing the World Cup in the summer. He's come back... Um, 
he would have last season I would have placed him above Bernardo Silva as a first team option, but he sort of started the season really, really well. Um, the club have gone out to and spent sixty million pounds on Riyad Mahrez, who is not identical to Sane, but is a player with a lot of the same traits. Who you'd imagine it's a kind of one or the other situation in that first team. I don't know. I, I think you. I think you have to. I think. I think sort of Guardiola's method of management depends on a, a complete buy-in for you know for, for every player under his control. So, if there is a bit of a, a wavering from Sane, then yeah, I'd imagine so. It's a. It's a. You're not guaranteed a place here just because you are now a Premier League winner. You're not just going to walk into the team. It makes sense. Mm. Yeah, what, what struck me, sort of, ambling through social media at the weekend, was that, uh, one stat that uh, Manchester City. Um, got rid of 50 players during the um, the summer, half of whom went out on loan. I think it was 14 mm. on transfers. Uh, they brought in about £40 million because of that. Um, is that just modern football? Well, it is for the biggest clubs. I mean, Chelsea sort of set the trend for that and we've seen this sort of buy-to-let model that goes almost pa- runs parallel to the actual first team. Um, there's, there's a hell of a lot of players who, who go on loan after loan after loan, getting loan fees in and probably increasing their value when they eventually do sell them. And Chelsea have been sending increasing numbers, 25, 30, 35, 40, on loan every season. Um, vast majority of those players know full well that they're never going to play for Chelsea's first team. Thomas Callas is the longest-serving player for Chelsea. Um, he played in the game um, of the Gerard Slip at Anfield uh, four years ago. Uh, since been on loan to Middlesbrough for two seasons, Fulham for two seasons, now Bristol City for a season. I think he's in his mid-twenties. He's never going to play for Chelsea, but he's still a Chelsea player. Mm. It's, it's, it's a very strange... I mean, obviously, he, he signed up of his own free will to do that, but there is something slightly unethical uh, about it um, and, and I don't think it's, it's good for Thomas Callas or any other number of players and as Southgate mentioned last week it's, you know, it's an awful lot of English players trapped in that system they have, they have to have the courage of their own convictions to look elsewhere if they want to make a proper um, a proper career for themselves and, and, to, and, to, and if they want to get international recognition with England for instance yeah, then, then, then they're going to need to make those, those moves they may have to lose some money in, in, in yeah, well, so someone like Jaden Sancho is a case in point mm. there, isn't he? Yeah. Going to uh, to Dortmund, but and actually probably accelerating his education. And setting a really good example, Mike. I mean, it's, it's very telling actually that um, that over most of the summer, Adamola Lukman has been wanting to go back to the Bundesliga. He's, mm. I think, in in six months on loan at Leipzig last season, he made more league appearances than he had in his entire Everton career. And you just think. I think one of the problems I have with it is that it's really easy for a Premier League club to approach a young, a teenage player who has perhaps come from a poor background and say, we'll give you £15,000, £20,000 a week and here's your five years. And then you're kind of locked into that contract. Um, and I think, yes, the, the, the club are entitled to do that. But the, the, the problem is a sort of a talent development issue. It's a, there's a great wastage in English football. Players like Sancho, to a lesser extent, someone like Nathaniel Chalabar, these, these players are, are, have worked that out. They're recognising the important thing is not necessarily um, to sit until your mid-20s and earn a, a, you know, a, a good wage, but to actually make your way in the game. Um, a, uh, Tottenham player, I think Rio Griffiths, went to, um, to, to, to Lyon in the summer. 
Um, Keenan Bennett went to, I think, Leverkusen. So these players are even at clubs where there is a reputation for talent development. They're saying, okay, well, the, the pathway is so cluttered now, we have to do this. And they're taking that step at a younger age, which is really good news. Mm. Uh, but it remains a, you know, a very prohibitive issue. Mm. Different life game. experience and everything else. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Sancho, yeah. you want to succeed, don't you? But in, in what we were talking about with Manchester City and this great corporate being, and, and Sancho actually has taken a step out of that and thought, well, I'm going to go to Dortmund, which is obviously a great club in its own right. I'm going to take control of my own career. He played, um, I think he had quite a long injury as well last year, but he did play 12 first-team games last season. Mm. And you would imagine that um, he'd probably be in the England squad probably before Foden because he'll be playing more top-level yeah. football than Foden, even though Foden, I think, is the, supposed to be the great talent of those of that very talented England under-17 side that won the World Cup last mm. year. Well, I suppose, you know, from your club, Fulham, you know, someone like Patrick Roberts, mm. you know, sold, sold for £12 million, probably prematurely, yeah. has a spell up in Celtic, he's now in Girona. Yeah. Again, Rich kids lost in the system. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, Roberts, um, a very, very gifted player. Um, perhaps always never quite sure he was going to make it at the very top level. I always felt slightly maybe lightweight, but yeah, he's a good example. Absolutely. Um, um, I think, say, for instance, in Fulham, Sessignon turned down big moves this this summer, um, and hopefully for him, we'll, we'll play a lot of first team football in the, in the Premier League this year as a result um, and. Yeah, Roberts is now probably 22, hasn't really made a huge impact. Um, whereas Sessegnon at 18, everyone's talking about him as Championship Player of the Year. He's going to be. He started a couple of games so far in the Premier League, and I would imagine he'd be involved with England uh, this season. Okay, let's look if we may at the three clubs with 100% records and start with Liverpool. It's their best start for 28 years. Um, what's your progress report, Seb? I don't see much difference, Mike. I'm not sure that. Um... They're perfect through the first four games. Brilliant. Um, have I seen enough from the players they've added this season, apart from Naby Keita, to believe that they're, they're a notch above where they are? Not, not yet, no. Also, interesting to see that Mohamed Salah has, is not quite where he was last season because as good as Liverpool are, if you, if you, if you take him down to maybe 75% of what he was last year, they're nowhere near a Premier League title and they're nowhere near a Champions League final. So... Um, I don't know. I, I think they've their goalkeeper is better. I know it's not maybe not the best day to, to be to be making that point after what happened on Saturday. Yeah, but that comes with the territory. But that, it, 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 exactly that. He also it's the kind of mistake he needs to make, and good that he made it in a game that they ultimately won because it's a it's a lesson, it's a reference point for him, um, and it's a, a sort of a line in the sand between what you can and can't do. Um, so I, I you know theoretically yes they've improved. Have I? been absolutely convinced by their 1-0 win over Brighton and a little bit of a shaky performance for Leicester. No, not really. Um, good team, but let's let's wait and see there, mm. I think. What about you, Dave? Yeah, I think I agree with that. Um, I think Cater is, is a really good player. Yeah. We haven't seen the best of him yet. Um, and, and definitely the keeper's an upgrade. And if you're going to play that way, you, you, you're going to make mistakes. Perhaps not quite often <laughs> spectacular as that, but like, you, you do it when, it, when you're 2-0 up and, yeah. and you get away with it. Um, yeah, I think, um, I think Liverpool are going to be the closest to City this year. I'd be surprised if anyone... If anyone caught them, like that. well, if anyone finished above City, I'd be very, very surprised. But um, Liverpool, I, 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 in terms of Salah, I think it was. I think either last year was was saying almost freakish about how good he was last season, or otherwise he really is Messi Ronaldo level because he was mm. Messi Ronaldo level last year, and and we haven't seen anyone else at Messi Ronaldo level in the thirty or forty years I've been watching football. Maybe maybe since Maradona. So then he really is. It, it, to, 
that, the, what he did last year, how he single-handedly almost got them. Well, he, you know, he was mm. he was so far above. He he, he 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 carried them almost to a Champions League final and to a much improved um, Premier League finish. Um, I, I I don't think personally Salah will be quite that good again this year. And if he is, he really 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 is special. And then they're going to have a trouble trouble keeping hold of him. Yeah. Well, I suppose Mane started by only four goals in four games. What about at the back? Um, I've always been impressed whenever I've seen him play and actually spoken to him, usually when he's on England duty, uh, Joe Gomez. Yeah. I think he's, he's slotted in perfectly alongside Van Dijk, hasn't he? Yeah, you know, he's, uh, I, I think he's an example of someone that in, at the beginning of his career, you saw him play you know, at fullback as well. He just looks a really well-rounded player, like a really smart defender who has a full appreciation for the, 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 the breadth of the role. Um, and he, you know, he, he's kind of made John Matip an irrelevance I, I don't, I'm not sure what Dejan Lovren's injury status is. I have no idea. But he's, yeah, certainly. He's not quite Virgil van Dijk, but he's um, he's a terrific player. Mm. Gomez would have been at the World Cup if you know, and, and yeah. planned started, Absolutely. I think, rather than Walker. Yeah. He'd have started for England. Yeah. yeah. Um, for, you know, he'd, been, he'd been first choice, mm. and, and he certainly will be. And it's quite rare. There's someone, you know, there was always, there's always been a buzz around him. When he was at Charlton, everyone was saying, oh, you've yeah. got to go and see this kid. Mm. And he's a very level-headed lad as well. And in that sense, he's almost like re- representative of the New England, isn't he? Yeah, you know, you're going to yeah, see him I tomorrow. Mean, yeah, so, I mean, Southgate loves those sort of players who are... And, and, and obviously, he's encouraged them to to be more open as human beings. And, and, that, and there seems to be this holistic approach where they, 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 they play more intelligently, they talk more intelligently, they're more open-minded people. And I think, you know, Southgate and the whole um, Burton experiment, which has gone very well for the FA... Um, it's just been part of that, and, uh, and I actually think the FA are actually countering a lot of the, the sort of bad uh, culture that you, you get um, at Premier League clubs. You know, major Premier League clubs, there's the, the air of secrecy and paranoia that doesn't help players progress as human beings or as footballers. And the FA are doing a lot to actually counter that now. Mm. Uh, Gomez, yeah, would be one of those players that Southgate would really does really like as a, as a as a man as well as a footballer. Yeah, I think we'll find out a lot about him in the next month. Because if you think about it, there could be a reckoning coming. Yeah. In the 23 days following the return of, of, of club football, they're playing Tottenham, PSG, Southampton, Napoli, Manchester City and Chelsea twice. Well, we're going to find out about them now, aren't we? Pretty brutal. Napoli actually got hammered by Sampdoria last night. I watched that game. and it's um, So I don't think they're quite what they are, but even so, I mean, that's a, that's a huge challenge and we'll, we'll, uh, yeah, it's a pretty true barometer of where they're going to be. Mm. Just one thing while we're with Liverpool. Yeah. They've employed a specialist throwing coach. Now, some people are deriding that. I can't see for the life of me why you would do so mm. because it's an area of the game which you, you could make a little marginal gain in. I can remember people laughing about goalkeeping coaches 15, 20 years ago. I think I did myself. <laughs> it wasn't that long ago, was it? Yeah, the specialist no. goalkeeping coaches came in and you thought, what are the goalkeeping coach going to do? Oh, catch that one, catch that one. But you know what I mean? And now, obviously, you can't put yeah. any major club and have a goalkeeper or, or any semi-professional club Most and have a goalkeeping have a degree coach. in physics as well, don't yeah, they? exactly. So, no, absolutely, yeah. I mean, listen... These these clubs have such vast budgets, and why not? You know, get every minute detail. Um, you know, I, I don't. I can't imagine they're going to start doing Rory Delap throws at Anfield. I don't think that's particularly <laughs> the way clubs to go. But is, there is, you know, but if you're a counter-attacking yeah. team, a quick throw, yeah, absolutely, without a doubt, yeah. 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 Also, Mike, if you look at sort of if you look at the NFL, and we've all become a little bit smarter thanks to all or nothing and you know hard knocks and stuff. They've got specialist coaches in every position, sometimes more than more than one. They've got an offensive line coach, a defensive line coach, a receivers coach, a tight ends coach. 
you know, it's, it's almost slightly archaic that it's taken football this long to start employing specialists. I mean, because, uh, you know, a, a, a well-tuned throw-in routine is a very powerful weapon. Uh, you know, they're not going to become a rude lap team, but in the same way that, you know, well, why, why is there not a, uh, a corners coach and a uh, indirect free kick coach? I mean, it's, it makes perfect sense. And I, I think if you, if you kind of, if you look at the people that are sort of, um, are, are criticising that, it's a little bit sort of, you know, objection for the sake of it. It's a, it's a bit different, so therefore we must resist it, which there's always going to be that in the game. I don't think it actually stacks up and makes any sense to, mm. to criticise it. Mm. Let's move on to Chelsea, another 4-4 four four team. Um, there's quite a bit of a Sarri loving going on at the moment, you know, led actually by Eden Hazard. Keep him on side. You've got a chance, haven't you? Yeah, you have. Yeah, I, I, I don't think Chelsea are close to City in terms of overall quality, but I think, um, I think last season was a bizarre season at Chelsea because Conte and the club's um, um, relationship had broken down irrevocably before almost before the season had even started, even though they were they were defending champions, and they limped on through the whole season with everyone Conte um, not wanting to be there, the players not wanting him to be there. Him not wanting him not wanting to be at the club, the club not wanting to be there, but no but no one actually sorting it out and just saying, Okay, let's go our separate ways. It just became a massive standoff. But it even went on through much of the summer. Mm. So I am actually slightly surprised Sari's done quite so well given how little time he had. Um you know, by the time he actually arrived there, we get we, you know, we were right into pre season, didn't have a lot of time to prepare. Um I think it's a strange I think he was a strange appointment. He's a 59-year-old man who's never won a trophy. And if, if a 59-year-old Englishman who'd never won a trophy got a Chelsea job, people would be going, what? <laughs> um, but he clearly has brought a real feel-good factor. And I know that, that players really do appreciate it. I think there's, there's not been uh, any, any great... Because Mourinho, under Mourinho and Conte, it's, it's not exactly been the happiest of mm. ships. Even when they've been winning titles, I don't think players have been going in and enjoying it too much. Um, and I think Sarri certainly brought that back um, at the very least. And you know, you can you could certainly see them finishing top four the way they've started. I think maybe um, I'm sort of surprised they didn't spend big on a centre forward. Mm. Um, I'm not convinced about Morata at all. Mm. Now talking of feel good factors, you were at Watford yesterday, yes. Seb. Yes. Um, you know, their best start. Mm. Um, that team is evolving, getting younger. Still got, I think it was 13 different nationalities in the squad yeah. yesterday. What did you make of them? I thought they were great. I mean, I, they, they started very nervously. I mean, they, I think a lot of the build-up was focused on their record and their winning start, and that seemed to weigh on a few shoulders for the first hour or so. Um, but I think what, what serves them well is they don't try and do anything that they can't do. So they're not ashamed to go a little bit more direct and to use a Troy Deeney in set-piece situations and stuff. I think the most impressive thing, what, what separated them from Spurs yesterday was um, when it came down to it, they played angry. They wanted to win that game more. Spurs turned up. They'd been at Old Trafford four days before, five days before. Assumed that if they passed the ball around, eventually they just win the game somehow. It didn't. And yeah, the intensity of Watford showed was great. And it, it's, it's quite telling because I know... It's early in the season, and I know there's always an asterisk against a good Watford start, rightly because of the history. But it's it's there was a there was such a, a cohesion there, and a, um, a such a, a sort of a commitment to the collective cause. It, it was it was very very impressive, and when you mix that in with the atmosphere at Vicarage Road, which is loud, it's vibrant, it's you know one of those stadiums which is quite steep, so you have that it's almost like a cauldron type effect. Um, 
it's 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 very good to watch. And I um you you're right about the uh, sort of the the younger players. People like Will Hughes have started to really kind of grow into Premier League life. He's he was great. Uh, Pereira's playing very well. Uh, Nathaniel Chalabar, who I think is is a uh, who's one of the sort of forgotten um, stories of last season because of his injury. Had he not got injured, probably would have gone to the World Cup. He was that good in the first sort of month and a half of the season. He's now back and he'll add something to the midfield. It's great. It may well fall apart pretty dramatically as it did last season. But for my money, having watched them a year ago in the same kind of form, they're now a, a more rounded team. They make a little bit more sense. They're not reliant on uh, a Richarlison, you know, a, a form spiking individual player. They are a collective more than, more than they have been probably since they got back in the Premier League. Mm. Very rare to see a Pochettino so angry after a game. Um, did that game give the lie to the fact that people were talking about them as title contenders? Probably, yeah. Um, I slightly fell into it. I thought they were so good <laughs> in the, way, the way they won at United. To win 3-0 at United without even playing anywhere near your best, certainly in the first 45 minutes, was, it, was it seemed extraordinary. It seemed like a bit of a, a landmark and then very spursy to go and lose the next game. I, I do think Watford, I think they've got a really good and underrated manager across the year who's been trying to get into the Premier League for years and um, funny enough, quite, quite close to the Southampton job when Pochettino left there and, and, and a lot of people at Southampton thought um, Gracia had a lot of very similar attributes to Pochettino and there's a chance he could end up being you know, that, that well regarded actually. Um, I think it's, Watford's funny because, because they seem to be doing everything. They seem to rip up the book of how you're supposed to run a football club, the stability, mm. it was, you know, managers coming and, and, and you know, players from all over the world being thrown in and they still had a reasonable level of success. Now they've actually got a bit of stability and they're, and they're moving forward. They've got good footballers. A lot of them have been in place for quite a while. Um, Spurs, um, Spurs have a very good, very settled team. Uh, they've added Mora in, in January, who's now coming to the fore with, with his pace. Um, I think you know it's good for them that, that they've kept hold of, of Alderweire, old Dembele, and Rose. I think there's a lot of positives for Spurs. I think they'll be, I think they'll be third this season. Um, in, in, and again, you know, there's so much flux at that club with, with the, the, the moving stadium, moving to Wembley, getting used to that. Then the delay of the stadium. Then they'll then they'll be then they'll be teething problems moving into that new ground. I think the job he's done will be looked back on as extraordinary, um, Pochettino, um, because they've spent so little money and and during all the upheaval of the, of the club's move, they've still managed to maintain Champions League football against clubs with vast budgets. So. I, I, I wouldn't get too. I, I wouldn't be too despondent if I was a Spurs fan on the back of that one defeat. I think Watford can do that to you. I think Watford will, you know, be a, be a force to be reckoned with this season. Mm. With Pochettino, you saw him afterwards. His mood presumably was soured by what a lack of attitude or the yeah, right attitude. He was as angry as I've seen him quite a long time. And, and what seemed to annoy him was the the approach after they took the lead. I mean, it was quite a, for those who haven't seen it, it's a pretty fortuitous goal. Um, but he, his point, and when he gets angry, his English drops down a notch or two, so you can be a little bit rambly, but it seemed to be that he, they stopped playing. His point was that, you know, when you're in that position, you don't just pass the ball around and, and, and stay out of the game. You have to keep going. Um, and he was, he was actually, uh, he clearly, um, he was, he was a little bit flustered. I imagine he'd had a little bit of a shout after the game. Um, but he, um, he, he talked about respecting the competition and he was getting at, you can't come to places like Watford and just, you know, stop playing. Um, 
And yeah, I think he used the, the phrase wake up call, which is right. And I, I think actually, um, if there are despondent Tottenham fans out there, I think this could be in a few months time, probably seen as a bit of a good thing because a few of those players, um, I think a little bit guilty of thinking they're, they're, they're not better than they are, but uh, at a slightly higher level than they really are because um, there were some awful performances yesterday. I thought that um, you know Ben Davis had a very poor game. Moussa Dembele had a poor game. Christian Eriksen had quite a poor game. And I think what that suggests is maybe not you know, about the attitude of those players themselves, but also Pochettino has to... He has a very small area um, of influence in his team. If, if, a, if two or three players aren't performing at a really high level, Tottenham don't win. If Eriksen is 70% of what he usually is, they don't win. Dembele is the same. Kane's form hasn't really recovered since injury. That's a problem. And so, you know, where, where this sort of this net spend problem is at its greatest is that over the course of a 38-game season, adding in the Champions League, the FA Cup, the League Cup, you cannot expect a group of, you know, four or five players to perform at a consistently elite level. And that's where the problem comes. You know, when, 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 when the time came to try and change the game yesterday, I think he had three Premier League goals in total on his bench. He put on Fernando Llorente, who was a very good player, is not now. He's 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 a, he's not quite not fit for purpose, but he doesn't. He's not a game changer anymore. He had a half fit Harry Winks. He had a Victor Wanyama who hasn't played at all this season. You know, there's nothing. There's very little beneath the surface at Spurs, and that's really um, that's really what will catch up with him. Not the not the individual quality, not the quality of the first eleven, but that lack of depth, which is quite unique within the top six. Mm. You know, even you know teams like Liverpool have got a Shakiri they can bring off the bench. Man City have. You know, five world-class players, Manchester United. It's it's a they're at a tremendous disadvantage, and I think people were too quick to write off the, you know, oh well, we haven't done anything over the summer, but the continuity is a good thing. Hooray! That was that's been done too quickly. People have reached that conclusion um, with too much speed, and I, I think that's um, yeah. If Portugal does manage to finish the top four again, I think that'd be a tremendous achievement. Yeah. Now you were at Burnley, Dave, on, on Biggles' watch, you know, presumably. Mm-hmm. Um, Cutting to the chase, what was Mourinho like? Um, yeah, he, they won, so he was pretty happy. Um, <laughs> he's, uh, yeah, um, he, he was fine. Um, it, it was it was a difficult game to judge them on because Burnley were very poor and very tired, and you just thought Burnley didn't fancy that fixture really. Um, they'd just been knocked out of Europe on Thursday. They had some tough games in Europe, but unluckily they had two tough two-legged ties, so. They've not been playing non-entities. Um, they've been playing good sides midweek, and it's really impacted on them. And, and I just don't think they gave United a proper a proper game yesterday. Really, um, Sanchez had probably as good a game I've seen him have for United. Um, he looked good, but again, a poor side. I I I don't. I'm not going to make too many judgments on on that match. Um, it it was a really really. You, you won't see many poorer performances from a Premier League team um, than Burnley yesterday. Um, so I'm, I'm not going <laughs> to I'm not going to judge them. I think I think Watford away is their next is United's next game. That will be interesting. Mm. Um, uh, and I, I could see Watford doing a job on them actually. Yeah, well they've they've, they've got more United points than anyone. Have, yeah, United don't have the intensity that what the Watford do. So if Watford play as they did mm. by all accounts yesterday against Spurs, then they could certainly certainly beat United. Mm. What do you what do you make of um, a Pogba? You know, he scores twice. Is he? To use a you know, pretty well-worn criticism, is he just a flat-track bully? 
You mean Lukaku? Or, or? Yeah, sorry, I mean Lukaku. Uh, no, I think I think flat track bully is um, really harsh assessment because he's. I think um, his goal yesterday meant that he reached. Forgive me, I'm not sure the specific landmark, but he was certainly quicker to it than Didier Drogba. So that's some pretty elite company. I think his problem is will always be that um, he misses chances, um, and so no matter what his goal tally is and you know what his statistics are, there will always be a moment like. You know, when he, when he rounded Higelaris at Old Trafford on Monday night, you got to score. You got As a Manchester United forward, he cost £70 million, pounds, you got to score. And that will always be the headline, the, 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 the asterisk against his ability. Um, I think he's a very good player. Whether he's an excellent one is a different, different matter. I think also, you know, over the years, if you look back at the kind of the forwards who have struggled at Old Trafford... Um, and struggle with the, the the idea of being a Manchester United the player. The weight of the shirt. Absolutely that. Mm. It's different to playing for Everton or West Brom or Chelsea. Oh, not Chelsea, but I mean, it, it is. And, it, it, you know, sort of even players like Diego Forland didn't survive there or Juan Sebastian Veron didn't do very well there. It's, you know, it's not necessarily always about the ability. Sometimes it's about how you mentally adjust to, to the role. And I think... Um, if he conquers that, he's got all the ability in the world, but uh, he's still got some way to go. What about Arsenal, Dave? Um, Lacazette, Aubameyang, better together? Possibly if you can get the all-round balance of a team right, and we don't see too many playing two up, up top these days. Um, I think there's so much wrong with that squad. Um, uh, the, I, think, I think Arsenal score a lot of goals. We can see a lot of goals this season. I don't think they'll be close to the top four um, in terms of points. I don't think... You know, I don't think he may finish sixth, but um, he's come in there um, and he's got an awful lot to sort out. Um, Torreira looks like a good signing and he needs, to, he needs to bed in. Probably looks like the sort of player that, that they've been crying out for for years. Um, needs to start, doesn't he? Probably want to change the goalkeeper over, sadly, for Czech. Um, yeah, Torreira needs to be starting. Um, he, look, he looks a proper player and he looks like the sort of player they need for the balance of the team. Mm. I just think there's so much to do there. I hope that Emery's given time um, but we've seen them. They've been wide open, even against Cardiff. That you know they looked. Mm. They, you know it was, and they actually against West Ham at home. And they, were, they were second best for, for the first half of that match as well. Mm. So um, it's not been massively impressive because he's been left with a, a hugely um, imbalanced team. Uh, I, I think yeah, maybe given all that, 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 that playing two up front, two genuine goal scorers. Lacazette is a very good finisher, by the way. Uh, Aubameyang, we know certainly is. No one doubts that. Um, so if if you're going to be a you know we're going to score one more than you team which I think Arsenal have to always have to be at the moment then then why not have two out and out goal scorers on the pitch? Mm. One of the joys, Seb, of of sort of going into the first international break and there are some honestly. You have to sell this to me. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Is is watching which unemployed manager pops up on our TV screens? Uh, this time it's Claudio Ranieri. Yeah. Um, you know, the, the the normal thing is okay. Let's let's boost my profile and yeah. and be around when someone gets the gets a sack hmm. who's going to get the sack uh, would it be Manuel uh, Pellegrini oh, of the current Premier League managers it's certainly the, the easiest uh, one to imagine I don't think that's justified I mean if, yeah. if it were to happen I think the problems at West Ham uh, are and have for a long time been well above the pitch uh, I, I think that case makes itself I think you, if you look at sort of what, what they've been so far this season you, you, you kind of you see a an ownership structure which which wants very famous players and profile and you know uh, and sort of the, the promise of success, but who are bafflingly unwilling to to to, to buy a holding midfielder, for instance. Mm. And I think sort of 
I don't think you can start criticizing the manager before you address recruitment there. It's been the case for years. It's, it's, it's always the same. It's always a kind of scattered kind of approach, throw some money around, hope it all works out, and it never does. Um, so maybe they do change the manager again. Maybe they, they sort of, they, 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 they create the illusion of stability as they did last season, despite flirting relegation. I wouldn't be sacking Manuel Pellegrini purely because it doesn't really matter who else you bring in. It's always going to be flawed until certain pennies drop. Uh, I think. Mm. Yeah, it is a club struggling with its own culture, and it's you know where's the soul of the club? I think is yeah, the, yeah. the move from Upton Park and the current ownership. It's, it's, I mean, it's just taken away a lot of the soul of a club that was very popular amongst neutrals, and now is massively unpopular. Mm. And uh, mm. not many people would be would be too shedding too many tears if West Ham were relegated. Um, I, I I don't entirely agree with Sarah on, on Pellegrini. I wonder. I wonder. How much due diligence um, West Ham did with people in and around Manchester City about Pellegrini? There was a definite feeling there from people who knew Pellegrini there that City won that title despite of him, and that during the during the last couple of seasons it was very poor. And some of what we've seen on the pitch, the, the lethargy of the team, um, is partly to do with recruitment, but it's also partly to do with with motivation um, and coaching. Um, I I don't particularly rate Pellegrini at this uh, this stage of his life anyway I, I think he's he's probably after a, a, f- a few a few quid um, before he retires I don't think it was a good appointment um, but having said that Pellegrini is not the problem but he, he is part of the problem um, I think they'll give him a, f- a fair bit more time they've tended to give managers a fair mm. bit of time actually um, despite all their faults of West Ham ownership um, they could end up giving Pellegrini too much time. Actually, weirdly thought Moyes, I'm not one of these media sort of mates of David Moyes, but um, I thought Moyes was a bit unlucky not to keep that job. I yeah, thought I he actually did pretty well yeah. steady in the ship there in very difficult yeah. circumstances last year. With players who weren't his either. Yeah, yeah he exactly. did pretty well. I, would yeah. have, I thought he probably deserved, you know, to have, to have a proper go at it. Mm. You know, recruitment that you spoke about there. Let's look at Jack Wilshire. Yeah. He's not the player that he was patently. Will he ever get to any sort of level? I mean, has he ever been the player <clears throat> that people wanted him to be? I think he, he sort of, people fell in love with him far too early and, and you know, saw a player who is, is really good on the ball, is technically very gifted. But, I mean, as a modern midfielder, you have to be very special to be excused all the other normal duties of a, of a midfielder because they are two-way players now. And Jack Wilshire without the ball is, uh, is not... not you know, not adequate, certainly not to play in a midfield too. Um, I think it'd be unfair to not to not to mention, you know, his injury record and just how much that must have taken out of him physically because if you watch him live and you watch him without the ball, if you watch him, for instance, chase a counter-attack, you can see uh, an athlete who's been damaged. He's not, doesn't have a sort of much acceleration. He's a sort of... Uh, it's not plodding, but he kind of lollops now rather than runs, and it's it's, it's actually very sad. But I, I think that there's a there's a, a useful player in there. But I think you have to, I think you have to bank him into a team with players that that compensate for what he can't do. Um, so I, yeah, I, I don't I don't know what his future is. I don't think he's ever. I don't think there's a resurgence in his future anyway. MLS in two years, I'd say. Oof. Mm. Oof. Some questions from the listeners and the viewers. Um, actually, the first one is on West Ham. Uh, Chris uh, Mitra Hall, do you think West Ham will get relegated? Uh, and is Pellegrini the man for a relegation battle? I think we probably yeah, answered the second bit of that. Bit, yeah, I, I think um, 
I do think Cardiff and Huddersfield will go this year, and I think they're just in budget-wise and everything about them. There's probably one place up for grab. I think. Um, I may have said something about Huddersfield this time last year, so <laughs> you know. Um, but uh, I think West Ham are probably got slightly too much quality to go down but I've said that about better West Ham teams than this one who have gone down I remember I think about the team which had uh, De Canio and Canute and the young uh, Carrick and Cole and players like that got relegated yeah. so you never know um, that, that it's, it's a bad it's a bad place and when, you, when you've got a stadium um, which is so soulless and that, that the supporters basically hate it's much, that much more difficult to get people on, on side when the environment, the actual environment, physical environment is wrong, mm. it's actually much more difficult to sort of pull things around when, when things are going badly. They'll score goals though. That's probably the difference between them and Huddersfield and Cardiff. They, they've got the ability to score goals mm. and that'll probably be it, be enough. Okay. Uh, Martin Booth, uh, this is one for you, Seb, as yeah. you were there. He said, only slightly tongue-in-cheek, could Watford do a Leicester? Uh, no, no. No, I, I don't think so, because I, I just don't think I'll see that twice in my lifetime. Uh, no, I think they're a very good team, and I think um, I think I think we, we touched on this. Man United will have issues then, not least because they can't defend set pieces, and Watford are great with their set pieces. Their delivery is excellent. Um, no, I, 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 I'm also hesitant because you just want to see what the culture of the club is like, just because of what we've seen in the last couple of years, in that what happens when you get to, you know, when, when the perception of safety arrives. What happens to, to the team spirit and the kind of the um, the attitude there? Um, I think they'll finish in the top half. I think they're. Uh, I don't think yesterday's result was uh, a freak, nor have you know any of the results so far been that way. It's uh, they're, they're just a good football team, so you know they'll do well. They'll press for a European place. The concept of doing a Leicester's strange in a way, isn't it? That they they won that league by ten clear points, yeah. and no one else from outside the top six or Everton have, have even finished in the top six in the last mm. 10 years. It's so That's far so off the crazy. scale. Yeah. But yeah. You, you would think, therefore, if Leicester can, are capable of doing that, then a Watford should be capable of, of, of genuinely challenging for the top four. I mean, so much less than what Leicester achieved. Mm. And, 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 you know, I sort of have a feeling that Watford could at least challenge the top four over a sustained period this time. I know they have had that, that situation where they have dropped off in the past. I think they've got the right manager now. I think they've got a team that's more settled. And I think, you know, they won't do a Leicester, but I think they could do very well. Yeah. Question is probably one for you, Dave, um, since you were there yesterday. Um, Tom Birch, do you not think the media should focus their attention more on the ownership of the club and what they're doing to Manchester United than the manager? Yes, there's a certain truth in that. I don't think we're not either. Um, I think there's been a lot of um, there's been a lot of talk about Ed Woodward and 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 the fact that having um, backed Mourinho over the previous couple of windows, they very much stood stood back from that this summer. Um, Woodward being an extension of, of the Glazer regime. There's been an awful lot of talk about how this is a club which now um, is primarily a money making machine. It reminds me an awful lot of Galactico era Real Madrid. Which was the area when Real Madrid didn't win anything, and they had a lot. They sold an awful lot of shirts and became a global brand. And if you do, there is it's a genuine thing. If you listen to people like Richard Arnold, the commercial director there, um, the way he talks is actually extraordinary. Because <laughs> given that it's a football club, that they really do seem to be more interested in in social media likes and and, and their and their and their reach of their brand than they are about football. Um, so there's an awful lot wrong with the ownership. I'm surprised that the green and gold um, scarves haven't come back in any great number because uh, there's lots of dislike about the Glazer ownership and, and now they've lost their managerial genius. They've, they've, they've been, it's been a, it's pretty ordinary the last 
four mm. or five years. Because I think the point about the glazers, Seb, is that their presence, such as it is, is essentially parasitic, isn't it? They don't yeah. give anything to the club. Well, I, well it, I, they, the one thing they have given is, is a sort of a, is a, you know, that focus on making money and the, the sort of the dilution of, of any ambition to actually win the Premier League. You know, if Manchester United finished in the top four and maintain their Champions League revenue for the next decade, I'm sure they'd all be perfectly happy with that. Um, you know, and Edward Wood, Edward Wood's not really employed to oversee a football club. He's there to make money from football clubs. So from that extent, to that, from that perspective, he's doing a very fine job, isn't he? Because mm. they, um, you know, the commercial deals have risen exponentially, and uh, they've got all kinds of uh, potato chip tie-ups in Mexico and tie partnerships <laughs> in Asia, and that's his role. That is what he is employed to do. And uh, yeah, it's it's very sad actually. It's not what yeah, I, he, obviously he. he Part of his role now, or has been, has, has been, has been, in, in terms of transfers, and, and the fact that they, they they are going to, they say they're going to, they desperately need a director of football if mm. they're going to be a modern football club. But do you think, Dave, that um, the sort of his role in those transfers, if you look at the players that brought in, that kind of fits what the directive is above, yeah. in the sense that you kind of was Alexis Sanchez the right player. No, he wasn't, no. He's but a very he's, good player, but he's, he, not, he's he, not the player they needed, no. He makes a great billboard yeah. somewhere. Yeah, um, I think Paul Pogba is a super player, but was he the player? That, mm. No, probably not. You know, it's that, and so, yes, it's his role to, to, to be involved in recruitment and spot yeah. on, they need a director of football, but he's kind of caught between two worlds, I think, Woodward. Um, not to excuse him, but he, there is a, an asterisk or two there. Good. Time's running away with us as usual. I want to dwell a little bit before we do go on England. You're up to Burton tomorrow, Dave. Um, England, are they a, a holiday romance or a long-term love story, do you think? It's a good question. Um, I, I do think um, that there is a genuinely... Uh, a lot's changed beneath the surface now. I think um, there, there has been a genuine revolution in the way English players are coached and there is, is a much better group of technically gifted footballers, well-coached, intelligent footballers. You know, uh, the fact that they won those two World Cups at age group level uh, shows that. The, the, the fact now is whether they are, whether these players, we touched on it earlier, are going to take control of their own careers and try and negotiate their way around this sort of log jam you've got at top um, Premier League clubs. If that happens, I think we've got the players for it to be a long... I, 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 don't, I don't think, you know... If that happens, I don't think England are going to be waiting another 30 years to get to a semi-final. I think that, I think there's a, a really uh, there's a lot of better players coming through than, than the players who achieved that semi-final in, in, in the summer. I do think um, that they were a very they were a very likable bunch of bunch of blokes in the summer, and uh, people appreciated that. And there was a, there was a massive disconnect between um, support football supporters and the England national team, and they did a lot to re repair that. Um, in the summer, certainly. Mm. Yeah, Gareth Southgate's his birthday today, so happy birthday happy to him. Um, put into context his achievement, is his greatest achievement off the pitch rather than on the pitch? Definitely. In terms of that, you know, what Dave was just talking about. Definitely, definitely. I mean, I know we're still not, you know, absolutely uh, joyous at the prospects of an international break, but I think a lot of people will go to Wembley and, and actually will want to see England mm. play. I think... To, to cure that disconnect is a that's a kind of uh, that's something that belongs on someone's legacy. That's a uh, that's a, a, a an incredible thing for an England manager to have done, given what's preceded um, the last World Cup. It's uh, yeah, absolutely yeah. Mm. And he he seems to have his attitude right in terms of 
no easy caps, no sentimental choices, mm. um, you know, no Foden this time, no Cessignon, no uh, James Madison, who looks to me to yeah. be the signing of the season already. Um, you know, no Will Hughes even. Um, basically, he's saying, if you want to get in, prove, prove you're good enough, yeah. which is actually yeah. the right message, isn't it? I think so, but the counter-argument um, might be that if these players aren't getting enough football and you really do think they're good enough, and there's one or two players, probably Foden included, that they really do think are good enough, what, maybe why not chuck them in? Then, if, if say, say Foden played against Switzerland next week in the friendly mm. and, and was the best player on the pitch, I don't know, he may well not be. If he was, would give would give Guardiola a nudge, wouldn't it, I think? Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, listen, everything Southgate says is, is eminently grown-up and sensible and, and common-sense and likeable and... For a man who got that job with a, with an unremarkable CV, with, with, with a nation groaning and thinking he was a yes man, the way he's transformed um, the, the, the sort of uh, the image of of, Eng- of the England football team is quite extraordinary. Mm. Yeah, we've got Spain at Wembley, which will be you know a very good post World Cup test, won't it? Switzerland, the games at Leicester. Yeah. I just want to finish by looking at almost the principle of a team. Responding to the nation. As you say, Dave, people have responded to them as people. They're locked into Wembley. They're not they're an M25 corridor team when they when they play there. How important is it? So for instance, you know, the All Blacks now are sending their players around the country just to meet ordinary people. Yeah. Is that something we should look at? Yeah, I think so. I mean, uh, with with regards to the actual games, I miss the you know, when Wembley was being built. I loved the way that the games were shared around. They had one in Southampton, up in Sunderland. You know, they played at Newcastle. I think that, that that's really important because if you, especially if you're, you know, during the international break, you, you, you always have at least one game which kicks off at 7.30, 8 o'clock. Now, you either, you know, if you're, if you're bringing your kids down um, from somewhere further north than Birmingham, you can't get back. And so you, you miss the opportunity to go to these games. Um, regarding whether they should move around the country, I don't know. I mean, I, I think... Um, I think the culture is a little bit different. I mean, I, the All Blacks also, they played a, 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 a test match in, in Fiji, I think, last year. It's very important given the sort of the heritage of some of their players. Mm. I think that was a very nice step. I, I, I don't know what's going to be achieved. I think one of the, the advantages of the Premier League is that sort of, and because so many England players are, you know, play their, their, their domestic football here, you do get to see them regularly. So I, I'm not sure. And I, I also don't know whether you'd get the kind of access that the public need to grow that bond. I think the most important thing will always be how they play and how they appear through the media, just because that's, that's about football. That's not really about England, I don't think. Mm. Well, if it's good enough for the All Blacks, it's good enough for England's best footballers. Leave Wembley and become a true national team. Thanks for joining us here on the Football Writers Podcast. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. 
That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Shopify helps you sell at every stage of your business. Like that, let's put it online and see what happens stage. And the site is live. That we opened a store and need a fast checkout stage. Thanks, you're all set. That count it up and ship it around the globe stage. This one's going to Thailand. And that, wait, did we just hit a million orders stage? Whatever your stage, businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for your $1 a month trial at shopify.com slash listen.